Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project, program, and portfolio managers, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project, program, and portfolio management, and how what we do impacts our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Today we're speaking with Rich Maltzman, PMP and co-author of several books on project management, including including the Cleveland Award-winning Green Project Management and most recently, Bridging the PM Competency Gap. Co-authored with Laura Donna uh, Abramo, PMP, the two co-authors offer assistance in PM competency building via their consultancy, Continuous Learning Environment Advisors. Rich it's so great to be talking with you today. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks, uh, Gerald. Excellent. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, listen, Good. Rich, let's jump into this. Uh, what inspired you to write the book on PM competency? Well, I, I think it was, uh, in general, uh, a passion for improving projects. Um, maybe even more, it was a passion for improving the lot for project managers. Uh, both of us, uh, Laura Donna and myself, uh, have been involved in PM supervision or as PMs or within PMOs. Okay. And, and we really empathize with the struggles faced by these project managers. Uh, our background happens to be mainly in telecom, but in, in teaching and consulting and kind of just being out there for now almost four decades. Um, I have uh, encountered project managers in all industries, construction and finance and uh, insurance and uh, energy and and so forth. So uh, we kind of empathize with these folks. We like to see them develop. We like to see their projects being successful. So, so we wanted to, um, and we've, we've had some success, both of us in seeing this take place by building, uh, learning paths and, uh, competency models and such for the, uh, PM population. And we wanted to try to spread that a little bit, um, outside of that little narrow field to, to, uh, to the general PM population. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. and go ahead. Yeah, sorry. And since you know, since and this is probably way too lofty here, and maybe I'm, uh, maybe we're thinking that we're bigger than we are. But you know, because project work um, is making up a greater percentage of work right now, more and more companies are project based. Um, we think if we can get these folks to be more successful, then then those outcomes will be more successful. And those outcomes are things like bridges and new new financial opportunities and, uh, you know, relief efforts. And so uh, we hope that, that we are helping those all those efforts. Exactly, exactly. Now, I know you sent me a group of questions earlier, and we debated about that and talked about that. But I mm-hmm. always ask this one, so I'm going to catch you a little bit off guard here. That's fine. And the question I want to ask you is, how did you get started? How did I get started yes. uh, in general? In the project management world, yes. Ah, good one. So um, a lot of people call this profession the accidental profession. That is 100% true for me. I have my degrees in engineering. Okay. Uh, human factors engineering was my degree from Purdue, and uh, before that at University of Mass Amherst, uh, electrical engineering. Okay. So I was innocently out there designing test equipment and helping telecoms repair uh, repeaters and optical equipment. And uh, suddenly I was tapped on the shoulder and said, you've been leading lots of good projects here. You become a 
supervisor of this group of 15 project managers. And I, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I set off on a completely diff- different career to um, lead this group of project managers who were now deploying all this equipment that our factory at the time was uh, manufacturing. Right. And, and now I'm in charge of this group of folks, and I don't really know this discipline at all. Um, I learned it. I mean, you do a lot of project management whenever you get any job. Uh, this is what I've found more and more, that people are doing project management. They might not know the, the, the name, Work Breakdown Structure and Gantt Chart, but they're doing something like that exactly. in all their work. And so what I found is I really enjoyed that, and I enjoyed uh, being the, the supervisor for these folks, and I decided the best way to um, empathize with them was uh, to uh, become one, sort of. And I became a PMP in the year 2000. And uh, since then, I've pretty much my whole career, and it is 39 years, uh, has been, has been uh, either as a supervisor for PMs or most recently uh, in the, the area of a PMO, Program Management Office. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's, it's, it's that way with most of us, I think. We, we literally stumble into this world and, uh, and then find ourselves being in, a, in an environment that we actually love because I, I think the ones who fall into it like that, it becomes a, it's a part of their natural uh, bent or tendencies to just be that organized and to uh, think of organizing work and some of those principles so when we understand it, it just works for us. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's this idea that when you're a project manager, you are by definition working with a diverse team of folks in all different functions. And I have nothing against engineers. I enjoyed working with engineers, but you know, you're working only with engineers mostly <laughs> when you're you're an engineer and it was very refreshing to work with uh, groups of people in marketing and engineering and tech- technicians and installers and um, testers and uh, supervisors and customers and that was much more interesting to me than than simply working with uh, with engineers. Also, people are are weirder than electronics. <laughs> no, <laughs> and because of that, it's more it's a little more fun when you're dealing with uh, individuals and their own behavioral um, situations. Exactly. You mean, you mean elect- electronics don't talk back to you? Well, they can, <laughs> but they do in a very in a very well defined way, whereas people don't. <laughs> Exactly. I got you. All right. Well, let's go on to this next question here. You know, mm-hmm. The foundation of your book is that there's a gap in the PM competency. How, do you, how did that gap evolve? Well, first of all, uh, Gerald, projects, of course, have existed long before even the first edition of the PM Bach and the Pimbach Guide, right. uh, things like the pyramids and so forth. In fact, if you're a history buff, you'll enjoy the first chapter of the book, which talks about some pretty early projects like the terracotta warrior uh, necropolis at Xi'an and uh, wow. China, and uh, the the construction of the Hagia Sophia, the cathedral at Montreal, uh, Sicily. All these are examples of early projects that did right. not follow, at least as far to my knowledge, they did not follow the Pimbach Guide. Um, uh, framework directly. And they're still standing. <laughs> they're still standing. And, and so, you know, not, nothing against the PMBOK guide. You still need it. But right. these right. these projects, um, competency was developed and passed on from generation to generation. And I'm talking about the project managers. And they were, in some effect, they were uh, pro- project managers there, but as well as the crafting skills and the construction skills for these, for these sites. They had to be passed on um, from generally it was father to son, um, but, from, but from generation to generation. Um, and 
now we don't have that time. Uh, project managers have to learn their work, like like we talked about with the accidental profession. Sometimes they're literally literally tapped on the shoulder, and they've got, you know, a week to get up to speed. So the gap we're talking about, to your point, is that we um, we can't rely on this generational transfer transferal of knowledge. We ha- we can't rely on intuition or, or even on the job training or acts of inspired genius, which a lot of these um, construction projects like uh, Xi'an uh, were. Right. Instead, instead um, th- that gap exists, and we, we, we're suggesting that to fill it, you need a, a disciplined PM competency development program, even in a small organization, but especially in a large one, to give project managers a chance to succeed because they don't have that uh, with the challenges we face. One other thing, um, the, as we went to press, the United States Senate, um, which is not known lately for action, uh, unanimously passed S-1550. I'm not sure if you're aware of it. This is a bill uh, for um, the support of project, uh, recognizing project management as a required yes. uh, competency. Very, very familiar with it, yes. Good, good. And it was uh, bipartisan, which is also amazing if you're in the United States to have a uh, jointly sponsored Republican Democratic bill right. uh, passing unanimously, um, and it's basically acknowledging this. Now, in the book, we actually joke about the fact that although it's not illegal not to read the book, it's certainly it's certainly uh, federally uh, what's the right word endorsed for you to read the book uh, because this is basically saying that there's a need to build a strong supporting competency to fill some of these gaps that we've talked about. Exactly. And, and, and there is a gap. So, you know, in fact, when you think about the gaps, what type of gaps do you think these organizations have? Yeah, good question. So we actually frame this book um, with the Six Sigma Demaic process. Okay. Is one, of, one, of these, one of these words. It's an acronym that you force into a pronunciation. Right. It's, it sounds French almost, like you go visit the restaurant, the Demaic. But exactly. it's actually standing for define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. Okay. Um, so we, um, especially the improvement part, which are improvement projects, we looked at this as a, a Six Sigma challenge. And we said, um, since we're doing that, we're kind of obligated to have a problem statement. That's the okay. first step. Yes. And, here, and here's our problem statement. Here's one place where I'll quote the book exactly. Okay. And the, the gap is this. A project manager's level of competency is often not equal to the new and dynamic challenges in his or her profession. Pretty Bluntly and directly stated. Right. Then we then we took a look at PMI because we are both long long time PMI members. In fact, chapter members. I was a a VP of uh, professional development at uh, an excellent chapter, PMI Mass Bay. Okay. Uh, and so we looked at the PMI talent triangle as a way to uh, also look at the gap, and we found uh, perfect alignment in the technical in the talent triangle. You have the technical side. You know, using using Gantt charts and calculating uh, earned value and doing risk analysis and so forth. That's the technical side. Okay. Strate- strategic and business management right. is another side. And leadership is another side. And what we found is that probably the largest gap, the largest opportunity is in is in leadership. But that's that's only one aspect of this, Gerald. We found some other interesting things when we dug in here. We found that uh, there's generational gaps. We have different – this is uh, – of all the times, at least for humankind so far, this is when there's been the most 
different generations in the workforce at the same time right. because of the you know a, uh, extended age and because people are getting into the workforce earlier. So you have millennials and Gen Xs and Gen Ys and baby boomers and greatest generation people perhaps all in the workforce at the same time and they don't learn the same way right they they don't they don't uh, act the same way they don't appreciate knowledge in the same way so there's a gap there okay. um we also were very lucky to have uh, dr charlie pellerin and if you don't know the name um you certainly know the project that he launched it was okay. called the, Hu the hubble spacecraft oh, amazing and um, he wrote our uh, foreword okay. um, to the book, and we, we used his 4D system. He wrote a book based on um, how NASA – his book is called How NASA Builds Teams, another great book, by the way. And in his book, he looks at um, human beings in uh, kind of the DISC, if you know the DISC um, yes. technique. Right. It's kind of like that where he's okay. basically said there's two axes that people um, – are are across one is emotional and logical so you could be on the extreme emotional end or the extremely logical end and then how you gain information through sensing or through intuition so that should also remind you a little of myers-briggs yeah. anyway if, if you get those two scales emotional logical on uh, one scale and sensing or intuiting on the other scale that yields four types of people cultivation or green visioning or blue directing or orange and including which is yellow okay. and we implement this model a little bit um there's an appendix in the book where we actually give some details on how that also can show some gaps because if you're fully orange or fully blue then you you have you've got some blind spots you're not seeing some of the other aspects and as project managers you really have to be a, a chameleon and you have to be able to uh, jump around and at least appreciate what what someone who's fully a cultivator is trying to contribute to the project and someone who's who's fully an includer and in what they're doing to the project so although it sounds kind of squishy and soft it's coming to you from the head of astrophysics at nasa <laughs> and uh, he he's a, a real believer in it because if you remember the story the hubble when it first opened up uh -huh. was to was totally out of focus uh, Dr. Pellerin says he was in charge of the single largest screw-up in the history of science. Yeah. But then uh, he was also authorized to issue to to manage the rescue project, and that was a raving success. So now the Hubble is taking and continues to take these amazing photos, right. and that's what he's known for. But he says the the failure is what inspired him to understand that the biggest challenges, this goes back to our first conversation about why project management, the biggest problems were not technical problems. The biggest problems were leadership and communications and soft skills problems. Yep. Yep. And, and I find that to be always the case that you can have great technical teams, but if you don't have, and I call it the cultural aspect, right? Because when you mm -hmm. out any major projects, you're always impacting the organization's culture in one way or the other. And I find that a lot of project managers don't think about that aspect of managing their major projects. And that, I, if, they, and that if they do, they would consider, you know, how much change can people take? How much do they need to be led? And so on. Mm -hmm. If you were to read his book, you can almost hear your baseline. <laughs> because it, it is about, it is about, um, I mean, he, he's obviously focused on the, on the things like the Challenger right. um, incident and the, uh, the Hubble, the first Hubble failure to, uh, to focus, um, which when you're a telescope, failure to focus means you had only one job and you couldn't do it. <laughs> um, so he talks about, you know, the fact that culture 
um, uh, in this case, a culture of NASA as a really strict and stringent uh, contractor with its subcontractor, causing fear. And um, there was a culture of fear amongst its subcontractors that they weren't going to perform, mm-hmm. which which actually led to to the problem. So fascinating, fascinating book. And because I've uh, because both of us found that as a fascinating book, we uh, we draw on it uh, in our book. Got it. Got it. Well, you mm-hmm. know, uh, from talking with you, you talked about using some really unique techniques to get information um, for your book. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was? Sure. Um, you know, we, we think we know a lot. Everyone thinks they know a lot, especially when you have uh, like 70 years between us in, uh, in, in the technical world and in project management. You think you know everything. But one of the things we know is that we don't know everything. <laughs> right, right. So um, we were pretty crafty here. We, we um, did a lot of interviewing and reaching out to the project management community to okay. gain to gain the wisdom that we thought we would really need to write a book like this. Um, So we, for example, went to um, 36 thought leaders, people, some of whom may, if you look at the book, some of them might have, I didn't check, but some of them may have already been guests on, on your show, but folks like, like Elizabeth Herron, Dr. Harold Kersner, Andy Kaufman, Kimberly Weefling, Andy Crow, Liliana Butchtick. And uh, these are authors and, People who who blog, um, or okay. in the in the case of Kersner, have written forty textbooks right, <laughs> on right. project management, and we asked them open-ended questions with kind of a sneaky intent. We we always wanted to have their input, of course, and we put their input in the book directly. But we also looked at the number of times they mentioned certain keywords, okay. and then we graphed. Uh, we did a Pareto, if you will, okay. of the most co- frequently. Uh, used of these keywords. And when we did that, we found, um, I think it was around 10 or 15 different keywords, and then we ranked them in order. And the top ones came out to be leadership, soft skills, and team building. Hmm. As far as where are the gaps, we asked them the question, where are you, where do you think the gaps are right. in project management? So it wasn't just us, these 36 other um, thought leaders, um, which is kind of calling ourselves thought leaders, which sounds sounds very lofty of us, but um, these 36 thought, thought leaders found, um, go, with this chance, responded in this way, and then we ranked these words. So it turns out leadership, soft skills, and team building are at the top, right. and things, capabilities, and skills around the use of uh, project management tools, although important, they are not unimportant, but they were at the bottom of this list of keywords. Right. So um, it, it kind of reinforced the idea that um, these, these, um, the leadership side, if you will, of the PM talent triangle is the most important, where the most important gaps are. Exactly, exactly. You know, it, and it's so important to, to think about that and to really, you know, communicate that and get, get folks to begin to really hone those set of skills. Mm-hmm. And it, in fact, in talking about honing those sets of skills or let's use the word bridges, right? What types of bridges? Um, mm-hmm. What types of bridges can organizations use to build that bridge to close the gap in those competencies? That's a that's a good question. Before I get to it, I just want to make one other comment on the prior one. Okay. Um, it's a, a beyond the 36 thought leaders. We also went uh via a survey uh, on LinkedIn, we got 250 um, of our colleagues, project management colleagues, and we validated that they were project managers. Um, 250 people responded to other open-ended, similar open-ended questions and a few others, also highlighting 
uh, this pretty much the same thing. And where we could and where, where we got permission, we included little snippets and stories from them in the book as well. So the book is basically, um, we didn't write anything. No, <laughs> we, we wrote a lot, but we also, um, you know, incorporated a lot of this other work in there. So you'll, you'll, you're actually seeing the work of a, of a large number of your colleagues in, in, in right. this book. I, I think that's one of the better ways to write a book because mm-hmm. then it's not just as a thought leader, because you've done the research, you've, you've kind of done the study, you've been out there in the field. But the other part to me that adds va- great value to that is that you've also gleaned the wisdom of the crowd. Yes, right? and, and yes. And also out there leading on the front end, and especially when you do a survey of over 200 people and you have 36 different ta- thought leaders, and you find that commonality, uh, i.e. the word leadership, communication, mm-hmm. and so on, then you know that you're really onto something that everyone who's out there in the field getting their hands dirty, doing real project management work, are finding that these are the core issues that have to be solved. That's right. And and by by going to a variety of people like that, 250, we now have we now are sure that what we've what we're seeing, Laura Donna and I, isn't endemic to the telecom business. Right. Um, but in fact, we have people from life sciences and insurance and finance. And guess what? They all have the same, pretty much the same uh, gaps. Okay. So to the bridges, um, there are a bunch of bridges, uh, ways to fill or bridge the gaps that we talked about. And, and most of them are, as you'd imagine, formal training programs, um, but you know, dev- de- devoted to, dedicated to, aimed at project managers, uh, cloud-based training, uh, knowledge, knowledge transfer, conscious knowledge transfer, where you say, look, we've got, we've got some baby boomers here, like myself, who are heading towards the end of their career, and when they go... <laughs> Their knowledge could disappear. Exactly. That's 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 tacit knowledge. How do you make that tacit knowledge, which is in people's heads, into explicit knowledge? Um, so that's one of the bridges you can do is to facilitate that, and we give some examples of how. Uh, PM symposium. Uh, this is something that we've done for a while. Uh, project uh, f- uh, in honor of uh, International PM Day, okay. and. And hopefully your listeners know that International PM Day, created by uh, Frank Salatis, of the, uh, formerly of the uh, PMI chapter of New York City, president of that organization, uh, recognizes IPM Day. It's the first Thursday of each uh, November, so it's coming up. Um, and then we have um, we have we have recommended in the book that you have an event, a learning event dedicated to that day in which you um, create usually PDU generating, professional development unit generating uh, webinars that can be uh, available 24-7 to your project management team. So that's another idea. Mentoring, of course, podcasts and blogs. Well, guess what you're listening to right now, right? So it's a great forum for learning. Uh, Games and simulations uh, as well. But most of all, most of all, I mean, these are just some specific actionable things, but most of all, just recognizing that there is a need to build a continuous learning environment that includes some of these techniques. But the first step is, hey, wait, maybe we maybe we need to upskill, maybe we need to increase the capability of our project management staff, and here are some ways to do it. Right, right, exactly. So when you mm-hmm. think about these bridges that you've, you're talking about, in your research, did you find any examples or cases in which organizations have built successful bridges to close that gap? 
Yes, we did. I mean, in the 250 people re- uh, p- responding, we got some ideas. We have our own ideas as well. Okay. But then we w- we were really lucky to stumble uh, across a great resource, Helen Bull, who's a PMO lead at uh, Philips, you know, medical uh, devices uh, uh, and other products uh, company. Very well known, very well respected uh, Dutch firm. And I, I had it's kind of funny because I had two years. Uh, in the Netherlands, and I really enjoyed that that time. And here she is in in Amsterdam. Uh, okay. So Helen, um, who we acknowledge in the book and can't acknowledge enough, provided us with a great example, uh, which we actually have as an appendix in the book. She was uh, kind enough to let us use um, some of the Philips um, material. Um, it uh, talks about their internal certification process, their career hierarchy, their use of internal and external certifications, external okay. including the PMP, okay. and and also the data that drove that. So she also did a little bit of polling to find out amongst her her population at Philips, right. what what was important to them, where did they see their own gaps, what did their supervisors and peers through three hundred and sixty degree reviews what did they find as the um as their gap so she had done you know i don't know if it's great minds think alike because that again sounds too self-complimentary but you know it was it was certainly reassuring to see um when she started providing us with these artifacts um that it was very much aligned with what we were asserting you should do so since it aligned so well Um, we included we included that case study in the book. Oh, that's excellent because that really then it gives the reader something incredibly tangible, you know, mm-hmm. either that they can model or that they can leverage to you know continually improve themselves with some of those suggestions. Or again, if it's another large company that's looking for some ideas, they can leverage that model and build some of those capabilities within their own organization as well as reaching out to those external organizations to help uh, you know buttress their their uh, efforts to increase the uh, competency gaps as well as to build their own bridges, if you will. Exactly. Yep. Excellent. Well, it sounds like an incredible book. And so one of the things I always ask everyone who comes on is that, you know, obviously you've done a lot of great work um, with your co-writer to, to build, to write this book, but you've also sound like you, you've built a really incredible career as a project manager. Um, for those who are aspiring to be project managers or to grow in their career, what's one thing would you recommend that they should do? Yeah, good question. I'm going to uh, aim the answer at those who are interested in the field on which we wrote. In other words, I'm going to focus not on project management in general, but I'm going to focus on the PMO, on the, the, the people who have the care and feeding the tools and techniques, the, the methodology for their project management team. So that's a pretty large and growing group. So I don't think I'm, I'm dodging the question (laughs) too much. And in fact, this, this, this will apply to all project managers. So here's the tip. Uh, Don't underestimate the power and wisdom of your project management community. It's so often neglected the fact that, you know, a company like Philips has two or 3,000 project managers, maybe more, um, who can learn a lot from each other. Um, So PMI pushes this as lessons learned. So there are probably centuries, maybe even millennia, of hard-earned PM experience, bruises, 
bumps, cuts, and scrapes, as well as you know, really successful things that people have discovered. Um, all you need is a, a, a platform uh, on, on which uh, people can easily share this. And there now are social media platforms for industry like this. Um, Yammer, for example, comes to mind. Yes. Um, I'm not endorsing one, just one that literally is one that just at this moment popped in. You'll see it's not in my notes. It just popped in my mind. So that's an example. Exactly. Um, and you can think of this as, uh, as kind of an accelerant, uh, you know, like a, like an, uh, a catalyst, okay. um, where we've had to learn to go back to the beginning, uh, following your music idea, ABA form, huh? returning to the introductory theme of the song here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, we, I would like to go back to the to to the terracotta warriors at Xi'an and okay. say and say, um, you know, at that point we needed generational learning. We needed craftspeople and project managers of the time to pass their knowledge on from from parent to child. Um, but now with something like this, we're almost it's almost akin to that. It's it's kind of a, a, a substitute, if you will, um, to accelerate the transfer of knowledge between, you know, project managers from the 80s and 90s who still have good things to say, by the way, um, to the new newer project managers who might even be using, you know, scrums and sprints and, you know, totally different types of uh, so-called different types of project management, but still can learn from the bumps and bruises because some of those things are really just human things that we can we can all agree with, even if we one's an agile project manager and uh, or sorry a scrum master, right. and another and another is a you know water uh, heavily waterfall project manager. The bottom line is, and the, the the going away tip here is by doing that you create a continuous learning environment, and we 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 allow. The inspired acts of genius, like we talked about for uh, Hagia Sophia, for example, and look that up if you don't know what it is, um, to become contagious so that uh, these great ideas, and also don't step in that kind of warnings, um, <laughs> are, passed, are passed from one project manager to another. Exactly, exactly. If our listeners want to learn more about you and Laura Donna, where could they go? Uh, they can go to um, well. I would say just start with the book. Um, okay. So the book is called "Bridging the PM Competency Gap." Subtitle is "A Dynamic Approach to Improving Capability and Project Success." Um, but we also have a website. Um, this idea of CLE was so important to us—a continuous learning environment—that we actually created a website. It's it's a little new. Okay. I'll warn you, but it does have our contact information. So it's uh, cle-advisors.com, and we do have a Twitter. And I think you're going to put some of this information yeah, uh, up there. We do have a Twitter feed at cle underscore advisors because Twitter doesn't allow dashes. Right. Um, so that's uh, for now. That's where we're where we are. But we, you know, you'll also find both Laura Donna and myself on LinkedIn. We're very accessible and aggressive about uh, networking, um, and uh, glad to uh, glad to be reached out to on LinkedIn. Excellent, excellent. Well, today we've had Rich Maltzman and as he referred to Laura Donna, his co-author, they're the authors of Bridging the Competency Gap. For more expert insight, go to principlesofexecution.com and click on podcasts. Thanks so much, Rich. Thank you, Daryl. Great opportunity.